Life Audio. The story of Martha was arguably the hardest for me to write in the She Hears Bible Study. And while we often hear about the sisters, Martha and Mary, it's not very often that we get to really hone in on them as individuals. And we often hear about them in relationship to their argument with each other in front of Jesus. But instead, I chose to study them from the perspective of the Lazarus story. So we have lots to unpack this week. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and today we are starting the study of Martha. This is devotional content that is pulled from the She Hears Bible study. If you don't already have a copy of that, I encourage you to pick it up. You can find that in my resources section or on Amazon or your local Christian bookstore, really anywhere that books are sold. So we are, of course, in the book of John, and today's story is from John chapter 11, and we're going to start off with verses 1 through 44. I know that that is a long passage of scripture, but that's where we're going to be at this whole week. So I'm going to read it in its entirety for you today, and then we'll start pulling some things out from it. So again, this is John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, The sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. 
So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called her sister Mary, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in a place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bounding hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Wow, what a powerful story that is. And um, it tells us so much about this relationship that Jesus had with Martha and Mary and even Lazarus. And honestly, I had to study this and write this as basically a two chapter study because there's so much content for both characters, both both people, Martha and Mary. Um, it's, it's part of this bigger, larger story. And there's so much to study that um, obviously we need needed two weeks for it, but you really can't study Martha without understanding Mary. And you can't really start Mary without understanding Martha. And so they're so intertwined that it's hard to separate them when we study. So you get kind of a two for one deal, I guess, with both weeks. But in order to approach the sisters' unique relationships that they have, each one of them, with Jesus, I'm going to inevitably overlap some of their stories with each each week. And so there's something to be learned here, I think, in regard to how we interact as sisters, as believers, as different personalities. And because of that, I want to ask you to consider the next two weeks as really a part one and a part two. And so we will attempt to look at these women individually, but there are just some moments that we have to look at this bigger context within their relationship with each other. So if that sounds good to you, then um, we're going to go ahead and get started. 
And like I said at the beginning of today's episode, Martha's story was one that was incredibly difficult for me to write. And I am a Martha. And I don't know if you guys have done the Enneagram, uh, any Enneagram work. And if you haven't, it's a personality test that designates basic personalities with numbers. And I am an Enneagram 8. And a healthy 8 is a leader and a dynamic go-getter and, you know, that forward-thinking kind of personality. An unhealthy eight can very much be the overburdened, overstressed, bossy pants that we see with Martha. And I have to believe, I, I it's just my own personal opinion. I, I joke about this with a couple different people, but I said, I have to believe that Martha was an eight. Um, she's trying to get all this stuff done, and that's the rap that she gets. She gets kind of a bad rap in scripture, um, or uh, the way we teach her from the scriptures. So if you've heard their story taught in church or a Bible study, um, you may already have kind of a sense of which sister you're more like. And I want to encourage you, and this is what we've said with each of these chapters, that when you approach studying these sisters, I want you to kind of start from scratch a little bit and assume that you know nothing about these two sisters. That way, we can back up a little bit, we can take a look at the first time we see the sisters in scripture, and then let that be your point of reference to look back at that story, and it will help explain this dynamic difference between the two sisters and their personalities and their roles. So what I want to do now is I want to take a minute to look back at Luke chapter 10, and it gives us a glimpse of of different aspects of um, the foundational part of their personalities, how we understand it from scripture. So this is verse 38 through 42. It says, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, you do not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So there it is. Um, I just picture in my head, Jesus shaking his head like Martha, Martha, Martha. Um, But the thing of it is, is I, I think Martha does get a little bit of a bad rap here. Most people don't really dig deeper into her story and they just kind of come down on her thinking, man, she should loosen up or, you know, Jesus is there. What is she doing? She should just be worried about him. And if I'm honest, there have been so many times in my life that even at that surface level, I've been more of a Martha than a Mary. And, well, that's most of the time, I think. And it's not that I don't want to be a Mary. It's just I have so much stuff to do. And I think as moms, as women, we've all been there from time to time. So let's take just a look at some of the initial descriptions that we see in the short paragraph of Martha. We know that she's independent. We see that she runs her mouth. We see that she's impulsive. We also see she's a hard worker. And we this is this is the key. We see that she doesn't mind complaining to Jesus. I think that is very indicative of their relationship. And honestly, all of those things also describe me. That's me. I love Jesus, but I also love getting stuff done, especially when all these people are my responsibility. So if I'm honest, after reading this first story, I was hoping Jesus would tell Mary to get up and help her. And I know that's probably terrible, but if I'm honest, 
that's what I'm thinking. Like, okay, yeah, Jesus, tell her. And what happens? He doesn't. Instead, Jesus calls Martha to himself. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we're going to finish talking about complaining to Jesus and how Jesus handles us when we do that. Stay tuned. And I think back over moments where in my own life where I've been experiencing burnout or feeling like I'm the only one that's doing all the work, um, either in ministry, at work, or as a mom, or as a wife, Martha's words, even if I didn't say them out loud, have certainly gone through my mind. I don't know about you, but I think most of us can relate. You know, scholars believe that Martha owned this home. And in Martha's time, welcoming a rabbi into your home was a a big deal. And so Jewish culture would place a very high value on the study of the scriptures. And the teachers of the law would go around from town to town, and they would be teaching, and they would ask for no pay, but their compensation would be in the form of food and shelter. So hospitality from the hosts was not only expected socially, but religiously. And so most likely, if Martha thought her work preparing the meal for Jesus was virtuous, it it was a religious act. It was part of her faith. It wasn't just expected. It was an act of obedience to what the Jewish law expected or the Jewish culture expected. And so when she encouraged Mary to join her, it's also very possible that her intention was good because she felt that they were supposed to serve when having Jesus in, in their home. They, she felt like that was the expectation of the rabbi. Because remember, we have a different picture. We know who Jesus is. But at that time, they didn't have a full understanding. This is, this is the birth of Christianity. These were Jewish people. And so they lived a Jewish culture, a Jewish lifestyle. But even still, we can tell that there's still something bubbling kind of underneath the surface. surface. And there's some frustration, and her frustration with serving spills out when she voices her complaint to Jesus. Martha is so busy doing the work preparing for the ministry of Jesus that she couldn't or wouldn't take the time to allow Jesus to minister to her. That stings a little. I don't know if it does for you, but it does for me. But then again, every time I complain to Jesus in a similar way, he has a similar response. Come here. I can just, not that he would have that attitude. I, as a parent, have that attitude when my kids are doing something and I say to them, come here. Jesus would be compassionate and loving and much more kind than I am. But in verse 42, he says something that I think is really powerful. He calls it the good part. So the one thing that was necessary is still the good part of serving. And that's the connection with Jesus. So joining him in what he is doing. And so our service to him has to start there. Or it will be reflected in our words, in our hearts, or at the very least our attitudes. And so if you find yourself resonating at all with Martha's side of the story, perhaps it's time to sit down at the feet of Jesus. And of course, there's this temptation to think, okay, well, sure. But the work still has to get done. And I get it. But can I let you in on a little secret? 
someone else that has already sat at the feet of Jesus will do the work. Or they won't. And maybe it won't get done at all. But that's not your primary concern. Your primary concern is your relationship with Jesus. I can tell you there's been so many times where I have been so busy preparing a lesson or curriculum or a teaching that I have to do that I have spent a lot of time in the Word for the week, but I haven't spent time with Jesus. And you might think that's counterintuitive. Okay, you're spending time in the Word. It's automatically Jesus is the Word. Yeah, I get it. But, but when my focus is pouring out to somebody else, I'm not reading for myself. I'm not reading for my own um, relationship. And there might be insights that I use for my relationship. And I do believe that God's word doesn't come void. But there's something sacred about intentionally going to Jesus just to be with him. Not with an agenda, not with a plan, not with trying to get something out of him, but just to be with him. So if we can get this, this part then we're freed up from this burden that can sometimes happen with serving. And serving should be a natural overflow of our hearts. We're so filled up with what God is doing in our heart and our mind and our spirit that it's a response to being with Jesus that just spills out. But instead, so many times we allow that serving part to overtake the relationship part. And that's not what he asks of us. Despite what anyone else thinks of us, if you are in ministry or if you're serving as a lay person or even if you're just serving in your own home there's only one thing that Jesus asks of us and it's those two words he says come here listen to me sis there's one thing I need you to get before we move on to the rest of this study Martha is loved for who she is and not what she does and the same goes for you You do not have to earn his love. You already have it. And you always did. You do not have to earn God's love. You already have it. And you always did. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are a God that says, come here. In the midst of our frustration and our burnout and our stress, you are a God that says, come here. Lord, help my friends to know that they are not loved for what they do for God. They are loved for who they are because of who you are. You are love. God, I pray that you would overwhelm my friends today with your presence, with your spirit, with your love. It's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. All right, have a great day, friends. We'll see you tomorrow. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. 
I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.